I want to share with you tonight, I, I just I thought that I've been pondering and a, a message that has been on my heart. And I'm asking the question tonight whether uh, we are just, have we become too casual with God, too casual with Jesus, too, too casual with the Holy Spirit? Is it possible maybe that, that our, our appreciation of who God and who Jesus and who the Holy Spirit Spirit is, is, is in some way limited by the, the approach that we're using, the way we're coming. And, and maybe the, you know, you, you hear people say all the time, well, where's the power in the church? Where, where is the power that we see in Scripture? Well, maybe today I, I just want to touch on that a little bit. And I want to just look at, last week I, uh, I looked at Luke 4 and I was, I was unpacking where Jesus had just been in, in the wilderness uh, with the devil, three rounds, three knockouts, the devil is out. Uh, he comes back to his hometown in Nazareth. He, he, uh, he, he starts to uh, preach that powerful message where he says, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. And then he, he declares what his mission is. And then uh, the Bible says he rolls up the scroll. And then we get to this verse in verse 22, and it says this, All the people were speaking well of him and admiring the words which were coming from his mouth. And yet, they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? They were saying, Wow, isn't it nice? Jesus is saying such nice things. You know what? We know him. We know him. That's Joseph's son. That's the guy that lives down the road. That's the guy we grew up with. There was a sense of familiarity, a sense of casualness in, in the way that they approached Jesus. And, and then we get to Mark 6, and Mark 6, we find a similar sto story. Jesus comes uh, back to Nazareth. He comes back to his, his people, his home. He comes back to church, back to the place where he preaches and, and shares. And, and the Bible says at this point, he had been moving in power. He had been moving in, in the supernatural uh, the, the dead had been raised, the sick had been healed, uh, uh, mighty breakthroughs and deliverances had happened. Jesus comes back home and his ministry has such momentum. Uh, there's such a, a lot of people following Jesus and coming with Jesus. And, and then, uh, then we get to this verse in a few verses in, in Mark 6 from verse 1. Jesus went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They marveled, but took offense. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. He could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. The Bible says, and then it says, He was amazed. That's Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. No doubt Jesus is anointed. 
We can see this from the story up to now. Jesus had been performing many powerful things. and We've seen the healings and the breakthroughs and the miracles. We, we've seen all of this stuff. And he moves through the country and his disciples are with him. And, 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 and all of this stuff is happening. And there's great momentum as we, we see in Scripture until he gets to his hometown, until he gets to Nazareth. And then it says he could do no mighty deeds. He could do no mighty deeds. That word mighty deeds there is dunamis. He, he could do no power there. He could not do any power in that place except heal a few people. Uh, it's it's kind of sad, isn't it, that we can get to a place like this. Uh, it does not say that he wouldn't do it. It doesn't say that he pulled back from doing it. It says that Jesus could not do any mighty deeds, any deeds of power in that place because of their unbelief. Uh, one translation says Jesus marveled. He, he was astounded. He, he was blown away by their unbelief. He couldn't believe that people uh, could not believe for miracles. There was no atmosphere of faith. The Bible says that, that, that we need faith to lay hold of the anointing. It's faith that, that Jesus was looking for. He was looking for an expectation. He was looking for a hope. He was looking for an atmosphere of people who were hungry for the things of God. And all he found was people who complained and scuffed and ignored and were offended by what he said. So many people, so many people have been around God for so long. They grew up around God. They went to kids' church with God. They, they, they played with Him in youth. They, they danced with Him as young adults. They, they, they had fun with Jesus. But they got to a place where they've spent so much time with God that they've lost their, their intimacy. They've lost their first love. They, they've lost their, their, their ability to connect in and be with God. They, they get into a place where they say, oh, that's just... Jesus, we know that guy. Uh, isn't that Joseph's son? Uh, and, and so we get to that place where, 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 where no, no mighty thing can happen. Uh, no atmosphere is existent because, oh, that's just Jesus. This is not a building. This is not a, a prayer meeting. This is not a worship session. Oh, this is just us hanging out. You see how sometimes we allow ourselves to become so casual with God. I, I worry that our casualness with God, the, the way we just become so, so relaxed around God, now, and, now, and don't get me wrong, I, I think it's good that you have that kind of intimacy with God, but without the reverence, without that place of connecting with God, we lose the power that comes with it because we have no expectation of God. The famili familiarity we have with God sometimes cuts off the power that He makes available to us. These people had faith, but they had faith in nothing. And so according to their faith, they saw nothing. My friends, the word familiarity is a dangerous word. It means inappropriate informality. It means that you can get so close to something that you don't notice it, you don't see it, and you don't think you can learn from it. It's a word that implies that somehow you believe you've mastered something. You, 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 you've become the master of it. You own it. You, you, you manage it. There's nothing more you can get out of it. And, and sometimes this is what, what we do is we, we get to a place where we become so casual around God because we think we've seen it all. 
We've done it all. We've been everywhere. What more? What more can there be? What more can God do? And therein comes the, the old saying. Familiarity breeds content. It's a loss of respect. Familiarity give, brings us to a place where we, we lose respect for the power and the authority of God. We lose respect and we start to take for granted the atmosphere in which we are. We, we start to get bored in the presence of God. My friends, God is never bored with you. God's never bored with your prayers. He's never bored with your worship. He's never bored with the time you spend with Him. And so God is not casual with you. God is not overly familiar with you. He's still passionately interested in you and your life. Can I tell you the danger of familiarity? Just think about your marriage. Just think about your family. Just think about your workplace. If you get over familiar, you lose respect. You lose that, that, you lose that ability to connect in and, and to gain something from it. Just think about church. How many people have become overly familiar and overly casual with church to the point where they'll come in and say, there's nothing here for me. There's nothing I can get out of this. And, and so they go out and say, ah, church is dead. There's nothing in it. But, but you know what? It's not God. It's, it's not God. It's our, our expectation of God. We, we get to a place where we think we've grown up. I'm too big for God now. There's nothing more that I can do. There, there's no more I can give, no, no place I can go. This is what they said. We know his father. We know his mother. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. We know his house. We know his street. We know the school he went to. We, we know his upbringing. There's nothing about Jesus that we don't know. So what, what can he bring us? What can he give us? What is there that Jesus can do? Who, who does Jesus think he is? And the Bible says they were offended by his proposal that he is bringing the power of God into their town. Is that not what we do? Is that not what we do? I look at church. I look at, at people who come in and out and come around and spend time in the presence of God and they come in sick, they come in broken, they come in with relationship issues, they come in with financial troubles, they come in with all of these things, but, but they come in with no expectation that God will do a miracle for them. They come in and they go out. They, they, they don't see anything changing. Uh, it's, it's funny how, how we come up with all these stories, the, the holy, beautiful stories to explain why God hasn't healed us or God hasn't moved or God hasn't delivered us. But I, I, I think sometimes even if Jesus got up on Sunday and led worship, some people wouldn't engage. Even if Jesus got up on Sunday to preach a message, some people would be offended because we've become so casual that we've le left our first love, we've left our reverence, we've left our ability to see God as God Almighty, the healer of all. My friends, the Bible says nothing is impossible for those who believe. That nothing is impossible for those who believe. It is impossible for you to be, uh, to be in God's presence, to be in the atmosphere, to be in the place where He is and not see His hand move in your life? Have we become too casual for power? Have we become so casual that it's cut off the power of God that can flow in our lives? Is it possible that we've become so casual with God that, 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 we, that we don't see His promises? We take for granted the things that God can do. We've become comfortable without the fire of God. I, I believe that is 
more often the case than we realize. We've become so comfortable without the fire of God that we don't lean in or desire it. So we come together hoping to have a good time, but not a God time. We, we come together hoping to see uh, 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 something else, but not the fire of God, the power of God, and the breakthroughs of God. And so we leave the way we came because we had no expectation that anything would change. But God is saying to us as a church, I want you to come in with expectation. I will send my fire. I will send my presence. I am with you. I will, I'm all in. God is all in. My friends, you need to know this. God is all in. He, he sent His Son to die on a cross for you. That is done. He, he, he rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit. The church is, is full of the Holy Spirit. God said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. God is all in. My question is, are you all in with God? Because there is an expectation right now in my spirit that God has a desire to send fresh fire on this world right now, to move by His Spirit, to see the supernatural. But we can't be too casual for power. We can't treat God too casually. He is holy. He is God Almighty. And we've got to lean in. We've got to lean in. Hallelujah. What if God wants to do more in your life? but you're just too religious? What if God wants to do more in your life, but you're just too comfortable? You know, that's the problem with the modern world is our familiarity has robbed us of the supernatural of God, the wow of God. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the familiarity that robs us of the wonder of who He is. He is God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. He, yes, He's your Father, and yes, Jesus is your brother, but don't let that get you to a place where you lose your awe for Him as the Waymaker, the Deliverer, the Healer, the Most High God. My friend, He's an awesome God. And I love to tell you today that He wants to be awesome in your life. Here's the thing. We should never, never lose our expectation and our reverence of God. We should never lose our worship and our wonder of God. You know, we have systematically and purposefully regulated and reduced what God can do and what God can't do in our churches to the point where we see no move of the Spirit, we see no fire, we see no power. I believe God is saying, I want you to remove the ceilings, take away the walls, take away the barriers, take away the restrictions that you've put on your worship, the restrictions you've put on your time with God, the restrictions you've put, the limitations you've put on what God can do and what God cannot do and you will see the fresh fire of God upon you and just look at what we've done we've made God fit into our thinking we've made God fit into our timetables we've made God fit into our preferences this is not this is not the way this is not the way to see the fullness of God we cannot be so casual that we limit the power of God in and through us amen I want to just bring this together for you and I just go jump to the book of Revelation, second chapter, and, and you know, again, I feel like God is standing at the door of the church, He's standing at the door of your heart, and He's knocking, and He's knocking, and He's knocking, will you let me in, will you let me in? Will you let me in? And that's the question for you and me today. Will we let Jesus back in His church? Will we let Jesus back into our hearts and our lives? And you say, oh yeah, we'll do that. But that comes at a cost. You can't be casual with Jesus. You've got to be willing to lay down your life. You've got to be willing to lay down your time. And you, Oh no, but I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Or I've got this. I'm, no, I'm asking you, will you let Jesus back? 
and let him be Lord of your life. Revelation 2 verse 2 says this, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. You have persevered and have, have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have, have not become weary, yet, listen to this, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. This is sad because you did well. This is sad because you, you were on fire. This is sad because there was a time when you were ablaze with the power of God. And he's talking to the church at Ephesus here. And he's saying, Ephesus, uh, you remember in, in Acts 9 when, when Paul came to town and, and, and there were people who said, oh, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He laid hands on people and, and the power of God came upon them and they were anointed with fire. And the Bible says that they were full of the Holy Spirit and full of power and, and we find that that after that the, the church caught a light and, and it was so on fire that a man called Timothy, a young man, uh, a man full of faith, he was raised by his mother and his grandmother and uh, to be a man of faith, he catches fire and becomes a pastor of this church. This, you know, to Ephesus, do you remember? You were a mighty mega church. Uh, you know, there's an account of 80,000 people who uh, decided to burn their idols and their books and all of their things of their old life and become believers and become Christians. 80,000, it was a mega church, Ephesus. We, we know that the three books of John, the three letters of John were written from Ephesus. We know the mother of Jesus moved to Ephesus. We, we know that Paul visited Ephesus and the fire that Ephesus had, the, the, the power, they were wild, they were a passionate church. Uh, it was so, uh, so, so, so intoxicating that Paul's faith was renewed by being in their presence and yet, here we find that they got to a place where they over-regulated, over-structured their church to a place where they lost their fire, they lost their passion. They got so familiar, they got so casual with God, and the, and, and the result of that was is they lost their first love. My friends, can I ask you today, have you lost your first love? Do you still remember when you first came to Jesus? You don't have to grow out of that. You don't have to grow out of the fullness of the presence of God. You still remember your faith, your worship. You still remember what it was like when, when your heart was so full of God, you just couldn't contain yourself. You, you remember the promises you made to God and, and the way that you leaned into God and, and, and the excitement you had just to spend time with Him. What happened? What happened to your first love? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm speaking to the church. I believe God wants to send a fresh fire, His fresh fire to the church. But it's going to require us to get out of our casual mode, get out of this familiarity, get out of this place where we think we know God. We know everything about God. We can manage Him. We can rule Him. We can control Him. This is our church. No, this is His church. We need to learn how to surrender and let Him be God in this place. We need to get back to our first love. Fall in love with Jesus again. If you want to know where your power went, it left with your passion. Where is our passion? Where is your passion? I pray today that your passion comes back. I pray today that your fire comes back. You know, we, we say we can't even give God more than an hour or two on a Sunday. Well, maybe start with that. Start by saying, God, I, I want to give you everything. I want to give you my time. Maybe if you put your time on the altar, 
and spend time with God. The familiarity that you've been feeling, the, the casualness that you've had might start to subdue as you become more aware of who He is and what He brings. Can I pray with you? Father, I just pray for those watching tonight. I, I just pray, Lord, for an awe and a wonder. I pray, Lord, for their hearts to, to, to open up again. They love to fall, fall in love again, to, to have a first love with you again. I, Father, I pray right now, Lord, for those watching today, that they would meet you afresh again today. You know, all of those stupid things that we've put in the way of our intimacy. Oh, we get so full in the head, but Lord, we want to be full in the heart. Fill our hearts again so we may together see your glory and see your fire in the house. I ask you, Lord, right now, pour out your spirit on all who are watching. Pour your spirit out afresh. And if there's anybody watching who has not given their life to you, Lord, I pray today that as they yield to you and as they, as they ask you, Lord, that you would come and make all things new. But to those in, in, in this place right now who may have been sick or may be struggling or going through a hard time, and, and they've been coming in and out of the presence of God, not realizing the same God of the book of Acts, the same God of the New Testament, the same God that did miracles before is still the same God today. The difference is just we need to worship Him. I pray tonight for miracles. I pray for breakthroughs. I pray, Lord, today for people to see you with a clean heart and clean hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. I'll see you in a week's time. And uh, be sure to send us a message and let us know how you're going. And if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know too. We love to stand with you as you make that powerful commitment unto the Lord. Welcome to Jesus' name. Amen.